0: Welcome to Grace. Thanks for being here. Uh, My name is Ryan. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And if we haven't met yet, love to meet you at some point. Uh, Maybe hear how you made your way to Grace and uh, found your way here. And as we've been talking about, we are starting a new series this weekend. that's really all about our values. And uh, you may or may not know that here at Grace, but we actually operate off of some very deeply held values. Uh, These aren't just kind of values that you put on a piece of paper and, and leave in a desk drawer somewhere. These are how we operate, and they are core to who we are, and uh, they're really derived from kind of our study of the Bible, and uh, we want to make sure that we understand those values as a church, as we kind of regather from the summer as vacations wrap up, school gets kicked off, and we kind of get back into the gear, we want to remind each other what we are, kind of how we tick, and why we do what we do, and uh, at least here at Grace, we do everything that we do on purpose, and there's an intentionality, there's a reason behind it. And we want to look at these values, not just corporately. It's not just kind of why we do as an organization, why we do what we do, but we want each of us to kind of own those personally. And as you kind of walk through a couple of these values over the next bunch of weeks here, we're going to see that these are very easy to apply. They're easy to own personally, and you can see kind of God's heart through it. And, uh, and latch onto it that way. So if you have been a part of Grace, of course, it's is gonna be energizing and a, a kind of a good reminder of who we are, and what we're about. If you maybe are just checking Grace out for the first time, maybe watching online, thanks for being here. And uh, you kind of get an introduction to who we are and I uh, can know a little bit more about what we stand for over these next few weeks. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna dive into a conversation about uh, one of our values, it's called this. It's called We Share Life Together. I'm actually going to ask you guys to say that with me. Would you do that? We share life together. Thank you. You did okay. Right? right, let's try it. Can we try it one more time? Ready? We share life together. Thank you very much. Here's kind of the fuller version of it. We share life together. We say we cannot live without honest relationships. We are resolved, right, to figure out how to love God, love each other, and to live on mission together. And what we're the way to think about this is this that we want to be honest and say uh, we are people who are needy, we need each other, we need human relationships. We believe here that God has created us to need each other. So we want to be honest about our journey through life and we know that we need people to make it through. And we are uniquely as a group of Christ followers here at Grace Church, we would say we know that we are the first people to try to figure out how to love God, love people, and live out the mission of making disciples in this time and in this place, right? Nobody's ever lived in this month in 2018 in Bath, Ohio, and tried to figure out how to do this. We're the first ones kind of figuring that out, and so we need each other to help one another to figure it out. How do we take God's heart and his mind and kind of live that out in a very real tangible way, And be faithful to the God that we profess to follow. And so that's what sharing life is all about. And one of the unique things about this value is that it's not an end in itself, right? So when we're talking about community or sharing life together, community is really never the goal. Community is actually how we chase down the goal, right? As, as I follow God and as I figure out how to make disciples, community is the way that I chase the goal that God has given me. Uh, I was thinking about this right after high school, uh, right after I graduated, a couple buddies approached me and they said, hey man, we're going to do something awesome. We want you to come with us. Uh, we're going to go and we're going to go to the Appalachian Trail up in Maine and we're going to hike and backpack the 100-mile wilderness. And I was like, that sounds amazing, man. I was like, I've never been backpacking before, but I'm totally in. This is going to rock, right? So I said yes. I had no preparation whatsoever. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I was like, I'm going to go with you guys to Maine. We're going to backpack, whatever that means. And we're going to go, go find ourselves through the wilderness, it's going to be amazing, right? I'm going to love it. So we set out to do that. I asked the guys, like, what do I need to get? What do I need to prepare and take with me? They filled me in on that. And then we set out to Maine to do that. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with the very first, kind of the last mountain. If you started at the beginning of the Appalachian Trail, you end at this mountain called Mount Katahdin. It's one of the hardest mountains on the Appalachian Trail to climb. So we thought we would just do that first and knock it out, right? It's the, it's the hardest one. And what we're going to do is we were going to day hike that. And if you've never been backpacking, here's how backpacking works, pretty simple. But everything you need to live goes in the backpack, right? So your food, your tent, your clothes, throw it in the backpack, you carry it with you, and you live out of that thing for a while. And what we're going to do is we were going to hike Katahdin, this big mountain, first in one day. We're going to day hike it, which means you don't need everything you're going to need for the whole hundred miles. You just need supplies for that day. And so we had a day backpack with us and we set out to hike Mount Katahdin. And man, it was awesome. When we started, it was about 75 degrees. It's July. We're in Maine. Sunny skies. We looked up at the mountain, and you couldn't see it all, right, because there's like a massive cloud at the top part of it. And I was like, this is going to be so fun, right? I, I didn't have many things with me. I had just like a day's worth of food. I, had, uh, they, I asked them what to wear, and they said, Ryan, what you want to wear is you want to wear swimming trunks. Those are great to backpack and hike in. I was like, okay. And I had a cut off T-shirt on, and I was like, this is going to be great. We're going to go hike this mountain. I'm so fired up. I'm done with high school, and I'm in the woods. This is amazing. So we start climbing this thing, right? We're all in decent shape. We all just finished a, a track season, distance running, and so we're all like in good physical shape. I'm thinking I can do whatever I want. I can totally conquer this mountain. And we start off, and it's fun. Everybody's talking, laughing. We're literally like jumping around off the rocks, just goofing off, having a blast, And we start doing that for like a couple hours, you know, and we're pretty good to go. I I literally thought to myself at one point, I thought, man, I could do this forever. This is amazing. I love backpacking, right? And as I kept going higher and higher up into the mountain as we kept climbing together, me and two other guys, it started to get steeper and colder, like dramatically, right? Steeper and colder. And so no no longer are we like bouncing off the rocks, goofing off now. Now the three of us were on hands and feet, like on all fours, climbing up these boulders. I'm like, this is getting pretty legit. Like this is serious climb. And, and it's starting to get cold. Like to, have you ever had the point where you get your hands so cold that everything starts to sting when you touch it, right? And, and as I'm climbing up this mountain, it's getting colder and colder. And then I'm like, you know, I need to bust out my long sleeve T-shirt, which is the only thing that I had to, to stay warm, right? I put on my long sleeve T-shirt. I'm climbing for a while, but a half hour later, this cloud comes over and it starts to rain, right? It starts to sleet on us and rain. And now my hands are getting like really cold. I'm tired no longer is anybody talking, nobody's bouncing off the rocks now. It's silent. And we're all thinking to ourselves, I wonder if we made a mistake on this thing, right? Everybody's starting to get tired, everybody's cold, everybody's hungry, and now we're climbing up into this cloud cover, right? In Mount Katahdin. We're making our way up into it and we're starting to run out of gas. We're getting we're getting truly into a point where we're like, we're getting out of gas physically. We're starting to get discouraged because we recognize the deeper we go into this thing, uh, the colder and the harder the climb is. So we start to break up over into this plateau, this big open area, right, on Mount Katahdin. And as we pop up over this kind of this breakthrough, it's a huge plateau area and there's like a wall of wind. It's like, and it's snowing up here, right? And I'm like, oh no. One of the guys recognized there's like snow on the ground. It's like 40 degrees or less. We have like nothing. I have swimming trunks on, right? I'm like, this is not going great. One guy, he, he I don't even know what was going on in his head. He just got so mad because we were so underprepared. He just sprints away. I was like, there goes that guy. Like, what? what is going on right now, right? And, and so me and my buddy just look at each other like, let's just keep climbing here, right? And so we start keep going through and we're climbing through this, this plateau area. And I remember my buddy had a knife on the back of his pack, you know, and that knife fell off, came untied, fell off into the snow. And I remember this is like when I really got a hold of how cold my hands were. I looked at my hand and it was kind of like half frozen, like a claw. And I was like, Hey, man, you dropped your knife, you know, and I grabbed it. I was like, here you go. You know, and I gave him back to his knife back. And then he turned back around. We kept climbing. And this is when I started to think, I didn't say anything, but I started to think to myself, we're going to die right? We are going to die on this mountain. It's been a good 18 years. We're going to wrap it up right here on Mount Katahdin. I'm going to be a popsicle in just an hour or so. And so I was truly starting to panic, you know? And I, I looked around, and I thought, I wonder if I could find somebody to get a helicopter up here and get me off this thing, because there's no way we're going to make it off, you know? There's just like, how are we even going to do it? That guy ran away, right? We're in the snow. And then right about that point, I didn't say anything to my buddy, he turns around and looks at me and he starts crying. He goes, Roadman, man, we're going to die. <laughs> And I was like, "Thanks for saying it first, buddy." You know, because if you didn't say it, I was going to say it. And now I got to help you make it off the mountain. I got a new job to do. I got to figure out how do we do this. And so together, we helped each other to go a little bit deeper into the mountain, go a little farther. We found the dude that ran away. You know, and the three of us were like, "Come on, we got to find our way through this mountain and make it down the other side." And we kept going, and we we did it. We found our way through, and we lived. To tell the tale, you know? Now, there's all kinds of things I should have known when I set out to climb that mountain, right? All kinds of things I should have been aware of. The the goal, though, was to climb the mountain. The goal wasn't community, community is how we accomplish the goal. Any one of us, if we would have been on our own climbing that mountain, we never would have made it. But because we had each other, we were able to get down and get make it through the other side. That's how it works, right? When we set all out into life, a life of following Jesus especially, there's all kinds of things we, we probably should have known about. We probably should have known that this surprise was going to come, that, that following Jesus wasn't going to just make all our problems go away. That in fact, it's actually might, it might bring some more, some new ones, if you say yes to following Christ. Let me just say, if you wondered, is following Jesus always easy? It's not. It doesn't make all of the problems go away. There are real issues that, that are going to show up and we're going to face as we follow Jesus. As we set out to climb the mountain of following Christ, we need a team to do that. And let me just tell you, when difficult times come, we need each other. And we also need each other for the great times, the highest highs. When I was climbing Mount Katahdin, I cannot even describe to you the kinds of views I saw on that mountain. When we stopped and we looked around, it took a minute to catch our breath before we froze, right? But when we were looking around, it was unbelievable. Pictures cannot do it justice, and as I look back on that experience, the highs were higher than I thought they would be, and the lows were lower than I thought they would be. And what I recognized is I needed a team to, to kind of climb together through that mountain. And that same thing is true as we set out to follow Jesus. right We need each other. For the high highs and for the low lows, we are not made to live life alone. We need each other. Right? And as we chase down, following Christ, that's what it's all about. And I want to spend some time today looking at at least a snapshot of a team of people that were attempting to climb the mountain of following Christ together and see some of their highs and some of their lows, and maybe we can learn some things through it, right, about how to share life together. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive into uh, a book of the Bible, a chapter, Acts chapter 16. And this Acts chapter 16 is all about the church forming in a group of people helping to spread the church. So there's a guy named Paul. He was a leader in the early church, and he and a few teammates, what they would do is exactly what we're talking about. They were trying to figure out how do we love God? How do we love people? And how do we take the mission of making disciples and spread that all all throughout the Roman Empire, all throughout the world? And that's the story that's happening. Something that would happen that was really interesting as as Paul and his companions would go and they would take the message of Christ all to new people, is something interesting would happen over and over. It's kind of a theme all throughout the book of Acts. There would be people who were oppressing other people. And when the message of Jesus would show up in that relationship, it would upset that relationship. right? The the oppressed would be set free. They'd be released. They would find healing and freedom and security and be able to move on from the people that were oppressing them. And then the people who were the oppressors would get angry and they would persecute Paul and his teammates. And this would happen over and over and over again, right? Whenever light would show up in a situation, the people who were embedded in darkness would want to make the light go away. And that was happening here for Paul and Silas. They were sharing the story of Christ with people. people. were being set free. And now here's where we pick up the story as the persecutors begin to turn a city against them. Let me read it here in the passage. It says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So here, these these two guys were doing exactly what God wanted them to do, right? They were being obedient to the mission of making disciples for Christ. And what did they bump into? A situation where they were beaten, they were severely flogged, which means they would have been beaten almost like within an inch of their life. I mean, it would have been severe. And now they're put into prison for doing absolutely nothing wrong. They're facing challenges and suffering together. That's the big point I want us to draw from this conversation, at least from this part of it. It says, together we face challenges and we even suffer together. That inevitably, following Christ in this life will bring suffering. It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I'm going to hit a moment or a season where I look and say, My hands are freezing. I'm climbing the mountain and my hands are freezing and I don't know if I'm going to make it, right? I'm panicking because this season of life is overwhelming to me. Am I going to make it through my marriage? Can I continue in my singleness? Can I endure it when all of my friends turn against me, right, on social media and now I'm alone, how do I make it through this season? How do I make it through this moment? Right? Sometimes it's because we're being persecuted. Sometimes it's just for doing the right thing and standing up and saying what I need to say or living out my faith in an appropriate and respectful way, and I'm persecuted even in the middle of that. Sometimes it's just the reality that we live in a fallen world that pain is going to happen and illness and sickness and loss is going to happen and life at times is going to become overwhelming, I'm going to look and say, I- I'm going to lose my life. I don't think I can make it. And when that happens, again, not if, when that happens, I need somebody in my life to be able to look me in the eye and say, we can make it off this mountain together. We need each other in those moments. We can face challenges and we can face suffering together. A brother or a sister is like gold in the middle of that. No amount of material comfort, no amount of accomplishment, no trophy, no promotion can get you through those seasons. Another human being that I share life with who sees me and knows me and understands my situation, walking with me through life is the only way I'm going to make it through these guys were suffering together, right? they, they really, they faced an unbelievable injustice. And we will do the same, certainly at times. And I want us to see how they respond. We look at the next level of where they go from here. Together, we help each other set a spiritual pace. I want, to, I want you to see how they respond to this. Watch this, right? So they have just been treated unjustly. They have been beaten within an inch of their life. That same day, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening in. These guys, on their own, I'm guessing they would have been despondent, discouraged, lost heart, lost hope. What do they do? Instead of leaning into self-pity, they set a spiritual pace. They look at each other and say, listen, we have a setback, but come on, man. We can, we can make it, let's turn it up a notch as we go up a clip in this mountain, right? Let, let's get up that mountain faster. Let's go to that rock and pick up the speed. Let's set a spiritual pace. I bet what's running through their mind here is something that Jesus would have said, listen, you're, if you're persecuted, you're blessed. If you're persecuted, you're blessed, why? So he, said, he would say something like this, you, you should jump for joy and rejoice, why? Because your treasure in heaven is great. They would have reminded each other, we are suffering for Jesus together. They would have helped each other to to get their heads on straight and to see it with a spiritual lens, right? When the gas is out of the tank, we need each other to say, come on, we we can huff it up this mountain a little bit faster. Let's set a pace. You lead this time and I'll follow. I'll lead next time and you follow and we'll, we'll travel this road together as we make it up the mountain. Because isn't this how it happens? As we live life, we lose perspective, right? We're we're mad at our boss or our coworker, and we think they're out to get us. Or our kids are mistreated. We're mad at their teacher or their coach and we want to go into their office and light them up. We lose perspective in traffic, right? Like lose your mind in rage. And we got to remind each other of what this life is all about. We remind each other to pray for those who persecute us to love even our enemies, to crank up the spiritual pace at which we're running because we can do it together. Man, if I don't have to suffer alone, I'll do it all day long. If you're going to do it with me, I'll run with you. I'll suffer all kinds of things with you. If we're going to go in this together, it's different. If I'm not on my own, I'm, I'm traveling this life in community. Here's what they were doing. Colossians 3.16. Paul would say this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. It's Leaning in and looking at my situation and recognizing something spiritual is happening in my life right now. Do you know that? That right now, as you're facing whatever it is you're facing, that God wants to do something in you and through you. There's a season that you're in. He wants to teach you or mold you or shape you, make you more and more into the image of Jesus. That's what he's doing. A good friend, somebody I'm sharing life with, is going to help me to see that better and help me to lean into it. We all need that, right? We need a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So we face challenges. We suffer together. We help each other set a spiritual pace. And then together we celebrate God for who he is and for what he's doing. Here's the thing, as we're climbing the mountain, it's almost counterintuitive, and I'm not that good at it, to be honest with you. I have to practice uh, pretty hard, discipline myself to do this. Every once in a while, as we're leaning into the mountain climb, we're making our way up to stop and pause and turn around and see the view behind us actually puts fuel in the tank. Right? It's counterintuitive. You think if I just keep climbing, if I keep climbing, that's the fastest way to get up the mountain. But the reality is to stop and to take 30 seconds or a minute and look and see what God is doing to catch the view, catch a glimpse of what God is doing in my life and in the lives of the people around us puts fuel in the tank for us to continue to be able to face the mountain together. Watch how this works for the Apostle Paul. Paul. What happened was these guys are in the jail. They're uh, singing. People are listening in thinking, what is wrong with them? An earthquake happened actually after this. God sent an earthquake. The the prisoners were set free. Think of an ancient building where there's chains in the wall. The walls broke down. The chains pulled out. This jailer would look around at all of these prisoners that came out of their cells. He actually grabs a sword to go take his own life because he knew his life would be at risk for failing at his job. Right? what he does then is he looks at Paul and Silas as they say stop don't kill yourself we're all still here man nobody left the jail you didn't fail and they, he looks at them and he says paul says what do i need to do to be saved right? how, how do i have what you're having how, how do i have that perspective and the hope and the faith that you have they lead him to christ he says yes to following jesus they're in the middle of the night. It says, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Right, They're still wounded from this beating. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. This whole situation just turned on its head. Paul and Silas in jail, mistreated, bleeding, and beaten God intervenes. Now this, this guy's coming to Jesus. They're up in the middle of the night watching life change happen, looking at what God is doing and what do they do? They rejoice with him. And this is what we do. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And for the follower of Jesus, this is one of the highest high points you can imagine. There is absolutely nothing like watching somebody you love and watching their life change watching the lights come on where they find hope when hope was hard to find, right? Watching somebody you've prayed for for years come to know Jesus or open their Bible and find God for the first time. And what's amazing is sharing that with other Christ followers When we pray together for people in our lives and we together love and serve people in our lives and there is life change that happens, we rejoice together over that. When somebody, their marriage is falling apart and they believe that that is done, that it's over, but individually God works with them and they find their way back into a relationship and they are working on their marriage again and somehow God worked and they're finding reconciliation we look at that and say, that's amazing. Talk to any counselor. That stuff does not happen on its own unless God is in the middle of it. One of the things we started doing uh, about a year ago is, is we started taking time in our all staff meeting once a month to just just stop and tell stories of life change. Just say, what, what's God doing? Right, starts slow. Somebody raises their hand and they'll, they'll say, God's changing this person's life. God's working in this family member. I saw this breakthrough happen. This person just told me, they, they found joy that they never knew was possible. This marriage is restored. And it goes on and on and on to the point where we're, we're like, you, you have to shut it off. Or right? We would go all day. And as you stop and take in the view, it puts fuel in our tank to keep going. Because here's the thing, right? I can climb any mountain I want in this life. I can live for my own Kind of personal gain, making money, making achievement, climbing a ladder somewhere. We can live for personal comfort and climb that mountain. But if I'm going to climb the mountain of following Jesus, right, it's the only one that leads to an eternal reward, something that can never be taken, that will last forever. If I'm going to run that mountain, if I'm going to chase that down with a group of Friends, I gotta put fuel in the tank and what that fuel is is celebrating God for who he is, for what he's doing and for the life changes that's playing out around us. It's the good stuff, right? It's beautiful. We do that together. We share life together. Now, here's our last one. Together we sacrifice for each other, right? We sacrifice for each other. One of the things that happens as we finish the, the last that hundred miles of wilderness, uh, it's fascinating, that trip, right? After we climbed the mountain and made it through that, instantly sacrifice made sense to us, right? There's just three of us. The goal became to finish that backpacking trip, we were gonna do whatever it takes to help every teammate make it through that trip. If you were discouraged and you you needed us to carry your tent for a little bit, getting a little heavy, I'll carry your tent for a while, if I have a little bit of extra food, I'm going to share with you. Whatever it takes to help each other make it up the mountains, we do that. It's instinctual. Right? We, we lean into it over and over. We sacrifice for each other. And this is what the Church of Jesus does. We sacrifice for each other. One of the fascinating things that happened here in our story with Paul and Silas is it's actually amazing. I want you to, want you to catch this. They were beaten, they were arrested, they were jailed. Hear this for a minute. They literally could have stopped all of that mistreatment anytime they wanted. They voluntarily allowed themselves to go through it. Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. And how this worked was this. If somebody was was beaten or mistreated and they threw down the card and said, hey, I'm a Roman citizen... automatically the brakes would be put on and somebody would stop whatever they were doing and realize this is a big deal. We just messed up because they had to get a fair trial before any punishment would come their way. So Paul and Silas allow themselves to get beaten, allow themselves to get jailed, arrested, all the while knowing we could have laid down the Roman citizen card any time and played it and they chose not to. And they did it for a very specific purpose. Watch how the passage plays out. Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. They threw us into prison, and now do they want to get rid of us quietly? They wanted to come and take Paul and get rid of them kind of on the side in a quiet way. He said, no, let them come themselves and escort us out. Let, let us kind of par- parade us in front of everybody. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them out of the prison. What you got to imagine is the very guys that were beating Paul and Silas are now at Paul and Silas's mercy. Paul and Silas let themselves be put in this situation. Why? Because when they left town, they just helped their brothers and sisters be in a positive relationship with the city. Rather than being in a place where they were thought of as criminals like Paul and Silas just were, they changed the game and now they're protected by the authorities because the authorities just seriously messed up. They made a huge error. They, they allowed themselves to be beaten to suffer for the sake of their brothers and sisters. They sacrificed. This is exactly what God does with us. Right? Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Jesus would allow himself to be beaten and his body to be destroyed. Why? All for the sake of the people that he loved. He sacrificed himself for us. What we do is we take that love and then we internalize that and we live out of that love for the people around us. And this shows up in very real and practical ways all the time. Here Grace, if you're in a life group and you have a baby, people will attack you with meals right? That's literally what happens. They're like, we want to give you a meal, right? Right away. They will love you and take care of you and help you and sacrifice for you no matter what. I had a lady stop me last night. She said, Ryan, I just need you to know this. I went through a surgery. Uh, I couldn't take care of myself. I'm alone and uh, single, and I don't have anybody to help me. My life group surrounded me. They did, they did my laundry for me. They shopped for me. Like they, they were my family in the middle of this. Right? sacrifice, had had uh, a f- couple of folks where there's a funeral in the family and one of the guys came back and said, Ryan, you need to understand the church was like a family, like brothers and sisters to me. They sacrificed and they were there for me in a way that's beyond description. I'm blown away by it. And that story would play out all the time, over and over and over, stories of people sacrificing in very real and practical ways for each other here in the family of grace. It, it's why we would do things like, Go to a less convenient service to make seats for people in other services, right? So people could come here, like maybe in this service, like maybe this one right here, right? (laughs) Just is a great time to say, we do have Saturday night services in case you wondered, right? That's a great idea to say, I'm going to put myself in a less convenient spot and make room for guests to come. This is why people would leave the Bath campus and say, this is where I'm comfortable and what I know I'm familiar with and I'll go start other campuses to reach new people in a new area. Sacrifice, that story happens over and over and over again. It it happens in big ways. There are hundreds of people serving even right now just so we can have service together. It also happens in relational kind of off the grid ways. So rather than looking at a church body and saying, well, nobody reached out to me. Nobody introduced themselves to me. It's sacrifice and saying, I'm going to go out of my comfort zone. I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to say hi first. I'm going to ask that guy in my life group to breakfast. I'm going to reach out to that lady and see if she wants to hang out. I'm going to take the initiative and sacrifice. Why? Because that's what we do for one another. We share life together. Right? It's what it's all about. We share life together together and you say, Ryan, how how can this look? What would this look like kind of in our lives? Here's what I want us to get in our heart and mind. Can you imagine always having somebody in your life that when your marriage bottoms out, right, when when discouragement comes, you have somebody to call who will pray for you and love you through it that when you have your highest celebration, the biggest moments in your life happen, you have somebody who's not your family member to call and celebrate and thank God together with them. Imagine when you blow it, when you sin, when you make a mistake, there's always people in your life that you could go to and trust them to be confidential with your heart and be able to share it openly, trust their counsel. Imagine that. What would that be like? How much stronger would our relationships be? How much healthier would we be? Community is not a goal in itself. It's the way that we chase the goals that Jesus has laid out for us. Here's some kind of real practical takeaways we might run with with this. Maybe you're in a place where you're just kind of investigating Jesus. Maybe you're just investigating church. I, I might look and say, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. Like the fact that you showed up to church today is a big deal, or the fact that maybe you checked out online, tuned in is a big deal. Maybe you've been watching online. Maybe this is the time to actually show up to the building, right? You've been looking online for long enough. Come on in. We'd love to have you. Make it a priority to keep chasing down that road. For a bunch of us, we've never stepped foot into a life group. Uh, we, we have we have no idea what it's like to run in life with people up the mountain. And here's what I would say. If you don't have a community yet, start with a discovery group. It's the on-ramp into community. Jump in there. One starts in two weeks. Don't ask questions. Just jump in, right? Just jump into it. You'll be glad that you did. We'll help you find your way towards friendships and towards community you can trust, there's a bunch of us who who have had this before and we don't have it right now, right? You, you, were, you had it in your old church or you had it in a life group that used to meet. You used to be connected and walk closely with people and now you're disconnected. Here's what I would say. Do whatever it takes to heal, right? Move through whatever that means to, to get past that and It's time to get back into a team and it's time to get back up that mountain. We cannot live life alone. If you're going to climb the mountain, you don't do it alone. Here's the thing for me. I'll, I'll say it this way for all of us. In my life of following Jesus, I want you to know I cannot do it alone. On my own, I am weak and vulnerable and tempted, that I, my perspective will get skewed and isolated and unhealthy. And if I don't have friends that in my life that I can trust, I'm going to veer off into no man's land. I'm not going to make it. I can't tell you enough how valuable those friendships have been in my life of following Jesus. I don't think I could make it without them. I want that for you if you don't have it. And if you have it to today, thank God for it. It's a precious gift. Right? But if you want to move towards community, if you want to take this value we share life together and make it your value, let's do that together. We can help each other move towards a place where we're not alone anymore. Would you ask yourself that question today? Is this my value? I share my heart, I share my life, I don't try to make the ascent alone. I climb together. As the band comes out, would you think and would you pray, would you thank God for making community available? Would you pray with me? Lord, we want to say thank you that uh, we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to be strong all the time. Lord, you set us in a family and you created your church that that we might live life together. Lord, it's hard for us. We are an independent people, Lord. So help us to admit that we need each other, to open ourselves to each other, and to take the courageous steps forward, to try out a group or to show up here regularly, or maybe to call a friend that we've disconnected from, But help us, Lord, help us to not get isolated and help us not to live life alone. We praise you, God, for your church, for your love, for chasing after and sacrificing yourself for us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.